Yesterday, at this time, Greg introduced the practice of equanimity as the last of the four Brahma-Vihara qualities. And he led us in a guided meditation using some of the traditional phrases in relation to karma. As a reminder, I care about you, but cannot live your life for you. Your happiness or unhappiness depends upon your actions, not upon my wishes for you. And the capacity to offer equanimity in this way is really strengthened or supported by our understanding of impermanence, the truth that everything changes. Often, though, when we cultivate, when we try to cultivate equanimity, we come into contact with our tendency to want to fix things, to fix other people or to fix ourselves. And by fix here, I mean it really in both sense of the word. So fix as in mend or repair or make better, but also as in to make fixed, to make static and unchanging. So developing the ability to let go of this tendency to want things to be different, to want them to be permanent if they're pleasant, or appreciating that they're they're impermanent if they're unpleasant, This is also a key aspect of equanimity practice. So one of the images that's used in the text is of a mountain and just connecting with that stable quality of a mountain that's really unaffected by the natural phenomena, the weather. We can even see that here over these uh, few days. One day it's cold and gray and damp and then it's sunny and warm and there's a biting, freezing cold wind, and now there's a relatively warm, pleasant wind. And if we were really attached to any one of those states, we would really experience a lot of suffering. So this impermanence aspect of equanimity, there are a few phrases by some well-known Western insight meditation teachers that I'd like to share that are pointing to this, uh, this aspect of equanimity. So Jack Cornfield, for example, may I learn to see the arising and passing of all things with equanimity and balance. Or Sharon Salzberg, may I be undisturbed by the comings and goings of events. Or Kamala Masters, may I accept and open to how it is right now because this is how it is right now. And in that last phrase, I really appreciate her pointing to this is how it is right now. So in this moment, it's not that we're in some kind of resigned, apathetic, oh, well, this is how it is, but this is how it is right now, implies that it will change. So I'll be weaving these phrases into some of the uh, what I offer in the guided meditation this afternoon, together with some of the more karma-oriented ones that we were working with earlier. But before we move into the next guided meditation, I'd like to give just a little bit more context about how these Brahma-Vihara practices develop generally. So as we've been emphasizing with the Visuddhimagga instructions, We start with where kindness and compassion and joy and equanimity come most naturally. 
So the general sequence is from oneself to a benefactor, a good friend, a neutral person, a so-called difficult person, and then all beings. So yesterday, Greg started uh, the equanimity practice with a neutral person so we could get a sense of what it was like to cultivate balanced non-reactivity in relation to someone we don't know very well. This afternoon, I'd like to perhaps raise the bar a little bit higher and invite us to work with the category of the difficult person. Or more accurately, a person that we're currently having some difficulties with. Because this is not about inadvertently solidifying them forever as the difficult person or even as my difficult person. It's just someone that we're currently having some challenges with. So we use the term difficult person as shorthand because if it was, if I had to say the person that we're currently having difficulties with every time, it would make the phrases pretty cumbersome. But just to keep in mind that this is a fluid categorization. So as a few general suggestions now for working with a difficult person, not only in relation to equanimity, but more broadly, By definition, the difficult person is difficult. Uh, They're in that category because there have been some challenges with them, some presumably unpleasant experiences and uh, unpleasant interactions. So again, within this category, we're encouraged to start with relatively easy, difficult people, then gradually work our way up to perhaps the people who have been more intensely challenging and problematic for us. And depending on the circumstances, this could take years. You know, we're not trying to force or manufacture our responses. We're not trying to blast through our defenses or minimize the truth of any harm that may have been done to us. So I really do encourage you with this category to go gently And if at any time the process starts to feel forced or too painful, then let it go. You might, in that moment, offer yourself a few moments of self-compassion or kindness or appreciation for having being willing to give it a go and then just drop the Brahma-Vihara practice and come back to mindfulness of breathing just to help come back to balance. So when we move into working with a difficult person, it can also be helpful to remember that, as I said the other night, hurt people hurt people. So sometimes we might consciously tune into and see if we can find what may be underneath this difficult person's difficult behavior. Can I find the truth of hurt people hurt people? It's likely that this person is suffering in some way and their difficult behavior is an unconscious response to that. So if we can acknowledge and connect with any pain that that person might be in, it might be easier to meet them with equanimity. Having a sense of humor, if we can, is also a huge support to this practice because it reduces the our usual tendency to take these things personally. And particularly when it comes to a difficult person, so far I haven't met a single person who has never had a difficult person in their lives. 
But maybe I should just check. Is there anybody here? Please raise your hand if you can't think of a difficult person right now. Okay, so that's reassuring in some way that we all have um, these challenges in our lives. So coming back more specifically to equanimity for the difficult person, one of the areas of our lives where we often get caught up is in relation to people that we're close to. And it's uh, sometimes quite surprising to see the very definite agendas that we have about how our partners should be, how our family members should be, how our close friends should be, how the people in our sangha should be, how they should be, who they should be, how their lives are supposed to unfold. We want them to only experience pleasure, gain, fame and praise. But even the Buddha couldn't change other people's lives for them. So I think it's a little bit unrealistic to think most of the time that we have the capacity to really control another person's life. And of course, it's natural that we want the people we're close to to be happy. But when that wish hardens into an expectation of some kind or an agenda, then it usually causes ourselves and the other person quite a bit of suffering. So in this next meditation, I'd like to invite us to explore equanimity in relation to someone that you care about, where there is some closeness and connection, but where you perhaps have recognized some form of agenda or desire to control or stickiness, just some way that you wish they were different or you wish your relationship with them was different. So again, I'm assuming everyone can think of someone who uh, might come into that category. So just thinking of the phrases I mentioned earlier, I care about you but cannot live your life for you. Your happiness or unhappiness depends upon your actions, not upon my wishes for you. Seeing if when you recite those phrases, a a particular person comes to mind. Hopefully not a really intense situation, but someone that that feels like the phrases might be appropriate for. And for the purposes of this meditation, they'll become your difficult person. Okay, so let's uh, give it a try.